Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? How are you this week? Are you okay? Well, gosh, there's a lot going on, isn't there? But um, yes, here at Philippa Towers, uh, I did something that... I, on reflection, I regret now and wished I had thought through more at the time. But anyway, it's a silly thing. But um, I have this perfume and every day I like to put four sprays on. And the perfume was running out. So I had to keep sort of angling the bottle to try and get a bit. And you know when it does a bit of a spray and not much? Well, I didn't count how many sprays. But I was just like, oh, I'm not smelling it really. I'll just keep going. And then later on... I was in a meeting room with someone and I suddenly thought, oh, good Lord, Philippa, you, you, the the stench of this perfume is so great. You are going to melt the other person's eyes. I just thought, no, why did, why, why, why do I do these things? But anyway, here I am to talk to you about some great books, a range of books. Uh, We've got five really different ones, so hopefully you will find something interesting there. Um, I know you're going to. Let me tell you what they are. So the first one is Reputation by the wonderful Sarah Fawn. Sarah Fawn, I think I said. Sarah Fawn. Then we've got a non-fiction, get me, and this book is called Year of Wonder by Clemency Burton-Hill. I can't wait to talk to you about that one. Uh, then we've got an audio book. Well, you can get it in all sorts of ways, but I listen to it as an audio book. Not a Happy Family by Shari Lapanya. Um, then Something to Hide by Elizabeth George. That's a stonker of a book. That's huge. And then we've got Faceless by uh, Vanda Simmon. So, There we go. Quite a range. Let's get started. I'm going to put the other books down. There we go. And I'm going to talk to you about reputation. And this, listen to this. Emma Webster is a respectable MP. Emma Webster is a devoted mother. Emma Webster is innocent of the murder of a tabloid journalist. Emma Webster is a liar. (gasps) Such a good book. We've had Sarah on before and uh, with her book Little Disasters. That was a great book as well. But this one. okay. (laughs) listen to this first sentence. Prologue. The body lay at the bottom of the stairs. I'm not going to read you anymore because that just sums it up. I really enjoyed this one. Um, It's got the court scenes that I love. It's got the sort of the thriller elements that I that I enjoy 
uh, reading because they're well written. Uh, it's got this main character, Emma, at the centre of it, who, you know, you don't know how to interpret everything. Uh, it's very relevant, very current, intriguing. We, yeah, I liked it. I loved it. Of course I did. Of course I did. But let's talk to Sarah now. So Sarah Vaughan, whose latest wonderful book is Reputation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's so lovely to be with you again. Well, great, yeah, great to have you back. <laughs> I have to ask, why this book and, and why now? I suspect I know the, the answer, but tell me. Well, I think people have said, oh, have you got a crystal ball? Because I seem to write books that are quite <laughs> zeitgeisty. Um, as the Sunday Times pointed out yesterday, it wasn't quite as zeitgeisty as Anatomy of the Scandal, which I wrote a whole year before the Harvey Weinstein allegations came out. So that was about sort of a, a rape trial involving a, a government minister. Um, and so this isn't quite as on the money, but um, it is about something that's been very much in the news, uh, which is about the abuse that female MPs or women in the public eye experience um, online through trolling and things like that and and I came up with the idea in in 2019 when I was reading an interview with a with a female MP where she talked about having nine locks on her front door and a panic alarm by the side of her bed and at the same time mm. another MP Anna Subri was getting masses of online abuse and Luciana Berger was receiving really horrific anti-semitic abuse um and my mp heidi allen who subsequently stood down uh was having to sort of you know people were going to court because they'd been going to prison in fact because they'd been putting such abusive stuff online and threatening her um so i think i was just sort of picking up on a growing uh sense of misogyny really um online um particularly towards um women and women who sort of dare to put their heads above the parapet and at the same time there's also a strand in the in the book um about social media bullying for um teenagers mm. um and the, i was just i'm a when i started writing the novel my eldest was 14 um and just talking to other parents or in fact her friends i was just so conscious um that you know social media is not necessarily a force for good as we're seeing and it doesn't just work out on the sort of on the sort of big stage with characters like MPs it sort of works you know on a very s local level you know with bullying of individual children yeah. teenagers mm. um and it just seemed to me um uh that this was just something I wanted to explore so I didn't do it cynically um again like um uh, Anatomy of a Scandal I didn't have a contract for this although I thought the SNS probably would want to buy it um but you know it was just a book that just really I suppose an idea that really sort of drew me and, and something I thought I needed to write about. I, I think I probably thought I'd, I'd done enough about misogyny after I'd written um, Anatomy of a Scandal, but clearly I'm just getting angrier and angrier. <laughs> Quite a lot of it about still. <laughs> it's a sad state, really. My daughter's very into politics and I find myself trying to stop her wanting to be an MP because it's so hard these days. You're under so much attack. It's... Um... Yes, well, I think one. there was an interview, I think, three weeks ago with Tony Blair in The Times, at which he said, um, I um, I don't know why women would go into politics these days. I think it's tremendously hard. And I think, um, I mean, obviously, unfortunately, you know, events... So David Amos was was killed after in his constituency surgery. Once once I'd finished writing this and it had been bound into a proof, so I wasn't exploiting that story at all. Um, but I think, unfortunately, the reality is that it's actually women who as in so many areas of life, have it a bit tougher, you know, and um, that the parliamentary um, authorities have done research on um, 
who is receiving abusive emails. This isn't Twitter. This is, you know, just emails coming through the parliamentary system. And it's disproportionately women. Let's look at the statistics. And actually, you know, women of colour. I think Diane Abbott has, um, you know, received far more abuse than anybody else. Oh, it's disgusting. It really is. Well, I mean, you know, talking of politicians and female politicians, Emma Webster is our key character. There's a lot to her. She's so interesting because she's not one, you can't say she's one dimensional. Oh, well, I'm thrilled you said that. I'm really trying to make um, my protagonists um, nuanced. Um, yeah, she's a, she's 44 um, and she has been a teacher and she has um, only became an MP four years beforehand. She's got she's divorced. Uh, she wasn't divorced when she started being an MP, but within about six months, her marriage quickly um, fell apart. Um, and she's got a 14 year old daughter, Flora, who lives with her um, ex-husband, David, and his new wife, the second Mrs. Webster, who's called Caroline during the week and lives with her at weekends. Um, so she's she's a mother and she's not doing particularly well at the mothering I think I would say when the book starts um and she's also but she's but she's very passionate about this this new job she 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 kind of didn't think she would become an MP the first go it's a marginal seat and she sort of hammered out a sort of deal with her husband when they were still together that you know it might take three goes so it might be 12 years and Flora would be you know 22 and but but politics doesn't always work like that. Um, and so she finds herself becoming an MP and she discovers that actually um, she loves having a voice. You know, she's not being a sixth form history tutor, you know, who's being challenged by by boys in her class. She's <laughs> She's got people listening to her. And she was she's a Labour MP. She was motivated to go into it because she. Um, uh, well, she's she's got a sort of political background. Her dad was a trade unionist, but then she and she did politics at uni. But then, uh, for reasons that become clear, she just switches to history. And um, she, and then as she nears forty, um, she kind of realizes that she wants she wants to do more with her life. She wants to use her voice, and she's concerned about you know seeing children she's teaching sort of slipping through the the cracks, um, having to use food banks, you know, sort of levels of poverty that that she that seem unprecedented in her teaching career. Um, and then once she becomes an MP, she she realises that actually she she wants a cause. I don't think she thinks about it this, in such a calculated way, but the, the things she's interested in sort of pertain to violence against women and girls. Um, and a constituent of hers um, comes and her sister, who is 18, um, has been the victim of revenge porn um, and has hanged herself. And um, Emma realises that she can either sort of, you know, make, you know, just platitudes or yes. um, or she can actually decide this is a course she'll take up. So she, she decides to do that. And of course, that raises the stakes. Uh, uh, and some, yes. And the book yeah. is set in four key parts, a bit like a symphony to me, it, it seemed. Um, did, did you always want to write it in that way? I knew that there's a, there's a sort of... Um, there's a sort of twist bit, isn't there, where we start with something and then we go backwards and then we go back to it properly. And I and that I wanted to be a bit of a jolt. So actually the first section I think is about 39% of the book. And then halfway through, uh something quite traumatic happens. And there's mm. and then there's a sort of the fourth, which is the third section, and then the fourth section is the sort of tying up of ends. So many thrillers I read have clever structures. And I suppose I was just not aping that, but it felt as if that would would come into. I wanted to shock the reader at certain points, so I play around. I think all my books are kind of polyphonic, although this is the one in which we 
you, we pr- privilege Emma's voice far more than anybody else's. But, you know, there's the voice of Caroline, the second Mrs. Webster. There's the voice of Kat Flora, her daughter. And there's the voice of Mike, um, the tabloid reporter with whom she's become entangled. Um, and there are actually another couple of voices in other chapters as well. Um, and I do do a bit of sort of jumping around with time, but hopefully I, it's less abrupt than it might have been in previous books hopefully it sort of it works we see these sort of flashbacks as distinct chapters but hopefully it doesn't sort of hinder the pace but sort of explains things no it, it worked for me and and it didn't confuse me sometimes the time jumps just um uh, I have to sort of reread it a little bit but not at all yeah. with this one and you keep it's not that you keep twisting the truth but you keep the twists are there and the sort of the revelations of character development are there are those the sort of books that you enjoy reading as well or is it just it's just you enjoy writing them yeah I think I've been re- I've become really conscious that you know it's it's so um psychological thrillers are so good now you know <laughs> an author friend was saying to mine you know the days when you could just who's much more established than me was saying in the days when you could just go and say I think I'm going to write about a woman who does this are sort of gone you know you want a good hook and you want to um you want to keep the reader entranced I don't I don't want to write twists just for the sake of them I, for me that doesn't work so for me everything has to evolve out of character you know, I get frustrated if I read a psychological thriller and I and I think, well, that doesn't make um, psychological sense. That's not going to happen or that's completely unrealistic, um, which I think sometimes you can find. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but I just um, I think that, that I need the, these. I mean, I, I, I sort of take it to heart, you know, with previous books when people have said, oh, a bit slow paced in this bit. You know, I was aware that I wouldn't. I mean, people have called this a slow burn as well. But I think that's because you I, I hope you want to keep reading, actually. But um I think you need to establish the characters in the world that they're they're living in. But yeah, I suppose I I mean I read all sorts of things. I've just reread Bring Up the Bodies, which is uh, suspenseful yeah. but and has and has lots of reservations in it, but doesn't have twists in the sort of sense of a psychological thriller. Um and yet you're still uh you're still you still just want to read on the entire time, even though you know that at the end of it Anne Boleyn's going to have her head chopped off. You know, you, the, it, the way she <laughs> yeah. writes it is so immersive and engaging. And there are little reveals of Cromwell's character, which is which is what makes you want to keep keep reading on. But I suppose yes, if you're if you're sort of positioning something as a, I mean, I think it sort of straddles different genres really because it's been described as a, you know, courtroom drama, a political thriller, and a psychological thriller. But I do think that readers want to be immersed and they want to they want they want to be surprised. Um, And I think the nature of a story like this, it's got a murder at its heart and a trial in it. You are going to have um, reveals and twists. I mean, you can't, you know, you're not going to have a court case without those things happening. So hopefully, otherwise it'd be a bit of a dull book. (laughs) I wouldn't call it a slow burn. When I say something is a slow burn, that's a polite way of me saying um, it. It took a while Slow. to get going. Yeah, and <laughs> no. I, I found it hard to get into. Whereas, no, your, yours wasn't uh, at all. I was oh, in brilliant. from page one. When you get an idea like this, do you have to write it immediately or do you have a, a, a Sarah's book of ideas that you write possible ones in? Uh, so, well, this one, I think I came up with the idea when I was writing, I think I was finishing Little Disasters. So I'm not very good at thinking I'm not unfortunately one of those people who has you know 15 ideas in a notebook that she's desperate to write while she's writing one I think it's I think I'm so immersed in the book I'm writing that my the bit of my brain that's open to 
fresh ideas isn't as receptive until I'm nearing the end of it. Um, and so, no, so I, so I kind of knew I was looking around for something and I was, um, it, it sort of sprang into mind. I wasn't panicking about not having something, but also you can have ideas and you can discard an awful lot of them because now I think the thing is having written a really strong book and, you know, I feel like anatomy is really strong and little disasters was quite different. Um, you know, as in nobody had written about maternal OCD before. I think I'm just quite harsh on myself. You know, I kind of, you know, might start writing something and then think actually a lot of people have written something a bit like this and I need to think of something different. Um, yeah, I think, but I think, you know, I had a sort of, when I was reading that interview with the MP and at the same time was thinking about what teenage girls are going through on social media, I did have a real light bulb moment. I think Erin Kelly has said that her books sort of come from magpieing a couple of ideas. And it's often that. It's often the sort of synchronicity of, of two ideas. Um, so, yeah, it's, it was, thank goodness they, thank goodness they come eventually. Yes. And you strive, you, you know, you strive for something different. As you mentioned with like Little Disasters, that was such a, a, a momentous book. And, and this one as well, you, you are almost hard on yourself to come up with these angles. I think so. I think that's, um, I, I feel really lucky that I had, I've, I sort of had two careers. So until I was 40, I was, uh, uh, I, I freelanced from 35 to 40, but you know, from sort of 22 onwards, I was, um, a journalist and I trained at the press association and then I worked at the Guardian for 11 years as a news reporter and political, political correspondent. And I think that the skills and the experiences I had then are things I can draw on in my work now so I you know I were I was really lucky I because I was a girly swat and had really good shorthand I uh, covered a lot of court cases in the Old Bailey and the High Court and I've also had three stints of working in Parliament so first of all just as a parliamentary correspondent for PA and then a couple of uh, a maternity leave and then a permanent job only for a couple of years but you know I'd had two other nine month stints there um, for, uh, in the lobby um, and the experiences I learned then, you know, just and just working in those beautiful settings and observing those larger than life characters with their really <laughs> fatal flaws, um, I think has sort of stood me in good stead for writing the sort of books I write now. Not to say that I'm always going to be writing legal or political thrillers, because I think that would be really dull to do that forever. But I do think that at this moment in time, when there's so much to say about politics and entitlement particularly, and you know misogyny I think I might as well use what I've learned from those settings um and so I think that I'm probably quite unique in doing that from a female point of view at the moment I can't yeah so I, yeah so I think so I might as well I suppose you know if I feel there's another book to be written like that and, and reputation was certainly like that that's why I went that's why having written a book set in a hospital I then thought oh I've still got I still want to write another courtroom drama um, and that's why I came up with reputation. But I would say that although people say, oh, Little Disaster is very different because it's partly set in the home and it's partly set in the hospital. Um, when I wrote it, I was really wanted to write about an, another professional woman who has to make a judgment mm, call. So yes. in, in Anatomy, I have Kate, who's a barrister, and, and, and she makes a judgment and, and we see her in her professional life. And in Little Disasters, um, I have a paediatrician called Liz um, and she has to make a judgment call about actually a friend of hers who turns up with a baby with a bang to the back of her head and a story that doesn't add up. So I was looking at another professional woman 
and the conflict between work and home, really, um, um, which, of course, Emma has as well. So in a way, the three of them are sort of like a complement each other, I think, I hope. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that a lot of the themes are similar. Women and the balance of careers and truth is something. And that judgment. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, um, being judged. How strong a character is Emma Webster to you? Did she linger once you typed the end? Oh, um, she does a bit, but she, she do, I have to say she doesn't as much as Kate from Anatomy. But I think that's because Kate from Anatomy is now inextricably linked with Michelle Dockery and I have her <laughs> photograph sitting on my desk in her wig. Um, so that has given them an extra lease of life that will, you know, they've now become larger than life. They're not just in my head. Um, but yes, I kind of there, there was certainly when I was writing Emma, uh, there were scenes particularly with her and Flora. There's a scene where um, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but in the middle of quite a traumatic time for her, can we say, they go walking on the South Downs. And, um, you know, Flora's this 14-year-old who's desperately trying to reach out to her mum, but doesn't sort of quite know how to. And um, Emma's sort of going through quite a tough time as well. And I, you know, just images like that sort of, they were very real to me as I was writing them, you know, and they stay on, I suppose. So, yeah, I, I, I visualised Emma quite clearly. I had a couple of pictures, of which is, I've never done before, uh, that I found of, of people who kind of, well, that's not true. I did actually for James and Anatomy. I had four four men who who he was a sort of amalgamation of them, um, none of whom was Rupert Friend, who's now become him. But he now <laughs> is Rupert Friend. Um, obviously, Rupert, you're not James, but you know what I mean, in my head as well. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I had a couple of really strong images of, of women with... Uh, dark eyes dark hair red lips you know in their 40s and they and they were strong looks um and and they sort of carried me through a little bit uh yeah she she felt very real to me yeah and and to me oh, okay. just looking at your the your writing career not as a journalist but as a as an author what do you wish you'd known at the beginning of your writing career Oh, crikey, that's a good question. Um, what do I wish I'd known? That people would like me? I mean, does that sound really, really dry? I mean, I just, um, I think that's something I've kind of, I was bullied throughout my teens, without wanting to go all sort of deep and psychological here. And it's, and it, you know, my imposter syndrome has really raged um, because I've never done a creative writing, co- you know, I haven't done a creative writing course. Um, I, I look at writers now who are on Twitter, who are, you know, chatting up agents who sort of know how to do it. And I didn't know any of that. I wish I'd known that people would, would, would like my books, I guess. I mean, I, I, my, my first two books were, were bought in a preempt very quickly. First one sold to nine countries. The second one was a bestseller in France, which was the most amazing experience because it had been a sort of orphaned book over here, by which I mean the, the editor who bought it had left the company before it came out. Mm. So, um, you know, it, it, they didn't do particularly well over over here, although they are now being um, rejacketed, and I really hope they do they get a second lease of life. Um, but I'm really glad that I didn't have and I mean this genuinely, that I didn't have a huge success with my debut, that it came with my third novel, because I think Anatomy is a much better novel. Um, and I think I I don't take anything for granted. And I also think I would have felt such immense pressure. I mean, it was bad enough having written Anatomy. You know, it's sold to 24 countries now. It's been made into a Netflix series. It was bad enough having done that and then, you know, being conscious of that weight of expectation to write my next novel. Um but, you know, I think if, if it's your debut, I think that must be absolutely crippling. And I don't know how people then go on to write 
to write other things really necessarily so um so yeah I but I but I wish I could have told myself I had somebody asked me uh, I did a zoom with um my old um Oxford College the other day and, and was asked what do you, what do you wish you could have told your 21 year old mm-hmm. you as a 21 year old and and I wish I could have told myself at 21 you know it'll be okay you'll, you'll be great it's you know don't be so hard on yourself which is probably stuff I'm still still doing now you know it will turn out okay you know you you've got a strong work ethic you know you're a bit of a grafter you work really hard it will be okay you know it'll it'll all it'll all work out I, I mean having said that I'm not I'm really I think I said I don't take any of it for granted I really don't I know I'm I, I've had amazing reviews for reputation I've got this you know Netflix series coming out um on April the 15th I'm never going to experience <laughs> in terms of publicity and, and hype I'm never going to experience that again um and so I am just enjoying it for the moment and you know I know everybody peaks and then sort of wanes and no doubt that will happen but you know at the moment I'm just really enjoying it and very grateful of the writing process itself are you a fan of the editing stage or the initial drafting what's your favorite I was going to say really try just when you when you finish the first draft (laughs) you're just like oh god thank god I've done that and that's very Um, good yeah um, I think I do actually quite like I do like the final stages of editing when I often get lots of things that sharpen it up that come together at the very end. So literally the day I filed in June reputation to my UK editor and agent. And then I sent an email almost immediately saying, oh, I just thought I could do this with this. And my editor and my agent said, right, have it back. 24 hours, get that back in, get get, get those scenes in. And actually it, it made it it all sort of pulled together you know so I love the sort of adrenaline and excitement of that I do like when you're in a first draft and it really starts to flow if it starts to flow Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and you just sometimes it's with me it's that I'll do it longhand you know I'll just I'll be really stuck and sometimes I'll just like have a train journey or I haven't had that recently but you know I'm, I'm actually about to jump on a train um and I'll write in my moleskin notepad and I'll just start a character will just sort of sounds now start speaking you know especially if mm. I'm I tend to write either first person or very close third person consciousness and, and you know they're just sort of their thoughts are tumbling out and and then that's when I think oh I, I've got this I've got this voice now you know that's very satisfying to have a sense of a voice I think I do agonize a lot more now about the structure and you know I think I probably need to be I'm not very good at, you know, everyone says, oh, you should just write a shitty first draft. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm quite perfectionist. I'm not very good at doing that. So I will spend too long trying to sort of hone it. You know, I'm not very good at just writing yeah. it and not looking back. I know some people, I think um, Will Dean writes in a month, you know, the entire book, yeah, yeah. Sort of writes and writes and writes. And I really, I'm so envious. Whenever I read that, I'm just like, oh God, I want to live in a wood and do yeah. that. You know? Yes, with his gorgeous dog. And just, with yeah. his gorgeous dog and snow. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm um, you know, um, but then yeah. that might not suit you. You could stay there in the woods and try and just blitz it, and it and it doesn't work. Everybody's so different, and and just because it works for one. Yeah, I've got two teenage children and a husband <laughs> who's you know busy as with his job. He's on call quite. It feels like he's on call quite a lot. So I don't think practically I'm yeah. able to go <laughs> to a Swedish wood. However much yeah. I would love to. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe maybe when the children have left home, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Okay. maybe not in Sweden maybe I'll go and be a hermit for a month or something and it will all come tumbling out and I think oh why did I agonize for so long yeah it'd be interesting <laughs> to see what what works yeah I think um Ishiguru once wrote did he write remains of the day he just kind of set it up and said you know to his wife 
I need feeding. I'm going to write this in a month. <laughs> and, he, and he barely edited it or something. Yeah, so I'm very, very envious when I read things like that. But unfortunately, at the moment, it's not happening like that. It's a bit more ploddy. Um, but I have to say, actually, if, you, if I have a, a good writing day where I write, you know, occasionally if I write two and a half thousand words or something, I'm not going to write the same amount the next day. That's not sustainable mm. for me. So, so what's yeah. next? Book-wise, I think it's fair enough to say I'm sort of inspired by the news and I'm probably going, you know, it's probably probably a safe bet that that it, that it's the new ones about power in some form. Um, but yes, the Netflix series is um, is next, and that's coming out on um, April the fifteenth. Uh, it's dropping. Uh, I think it's set just before seven o'clock our time, which means it can sort of drop everywhere at the same time. I, I've discovered that it's it will be in one hundred and ninety countries, which completely blows my mind. Not Russia, according to the news today. Netflix has stopped, um, thankfully, streaming to Russia. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, which is incredible. And I've watched um, rough cuts of all six episodes, uh, and I thought they were great, brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. They're about 40 minutes each, which I think is fantastic, because sometimes if you watch an episode that's an hour long, it can feel a bit long, can't it? But I think six times 40 minutes is sort of perfectly bingeable over a bank holiday weekend because it's going to be Easter weekend. Oh yes, can't wait, can't mm. wait to see it and can't wait for the the next book, what, whatever form of uh, writing about power it may take. Sarah Vaughan, whose latest book is Reputation, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The next book, this nonfiction one I want to talk to you about, if you haven't heard about this, oh, it's just fabulous. Year of Wonder by Clemency Burton Hill. 
So basically what this does is there is a page for every day of the year and you could buy it at any point. It's not like a diary where it says that a particular day is on, uh, where a particular date is on a particular day. So it doesn't say, for example, uh, 1st of April is on what day of the week. So my... meandering way of saying you can buy this at any time. You can start it at any point in the year and you can buy it for any year. So it works very well. Uh, Let me read you the blurb for this one. Um, Have you ever heard a piece of music so beautiful it stops you in your tracks or wanted to discover more about classical music but had no idea where to begin? Writer, broadcaster and musician Clemency Burton-Hill believes everyone should feel welcome at the classical party. Now her deep love for the art form and desire to share its diverse wonders have inspired her to curate this unique and eclectic treasury. Year of Wonder presents 366 works from the medieval era to the present, like a regular dose of meditation or mindfulness. A daily encounter with such music might just nourish nourish and enrich your life in unexpected ways whoever you are wherever you're from so you open it so I will open here 10th of April say and it's got the name of the piece and a little bit of blurb about it maybe the background on it maybe why it's different maybe the composer it could be all sorts of things and certainly I can go on to Spotify and access all these songs and I think you can you know however you access your music you'd be able to um, listen to these songs in the order it's I love it because I didn't know what I liked and what I didn't like before. Whereas now I'm really understanding that probably my, I think I prefer choral ones. I don't know, but it, and the range and the depth. And once you've heard a piece of music and understand the meaning behind it, it, it it's great. So I would, you know, if you know me or if I know you and you've got a birthday coming up, well, at any point, or Christmas, this this is a great book to get because it's into people. It's in, it's for people that are into classical music, and for people that aren't because it meets you at the a base level where you you don't know anything. So yeah, this is a very it's a nice book. It's a great one. Um, really, really glad I've got that one. And uh, yes would thoroughly recommend. So there we go. That's Year of Wonder. Now let's get on to the audiobook. Um, so I was reading or listening to Not a Happy Family by Shari Le Pena. And well, I thought it was great. This, this is the blurb. In the quiet, wealthy enclave of Brecon Hill, an older couple is brutally murdered hours after a tense Easter dinner with their three adult children, who, of course, are devastated. Or are they? They each stand to inherit millions. They were never a happy family, thanks to their vindictive father and neglectful mother. But perhaps one of them is more disturbed than anyone knew. Did someone snap after that dreadful evening? Or did another person appear later that night with the worst of intentions? That must be what happened. After all, if one of the family were capable of something as gruesome as this, you'd know, wouldn't you? (laughs) And first sentence, prologue. There are many expensive houses here in Brecon Hill, an enclave on the edge of Aylesford in the Hudson Valley, about 100 miles north of New York City. It's like the Hamptons, but slightly less pretentious. 
I loved it. I mean, Shari just delivers. Uh, I have I haven't read a dud of hers at all. I think she's really good. She's one you can trust. And just I straight away I wanted to know who done it. You know, it's it's so easy to picture this acrimonious family meal, and um, and you're just thinking who did it, what's happened. And as you go along, more pieces are revealed. It's, yeah, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the audiobook version as well yeah excellent um so the next one elizabeth george something to hide i used to love elizabeth george's books and they're the inspector lindley series and i only got back into it fairly recently how many pages is this one because this felt yeah 624 624 pages okay let's find the blurb for this book when Tani hears his domineering father is negotiating for him to marry a girl in Nigeria, he is determined to defy him. But can he protect his little sister from something much worse? The conflict will spiral beyond his own family and the tight-knit area of northeast London where they live. Acting Detective Superintendent Lindley, meanwhile, is investigating the death of a fellow police officer with Detective Sergeants Barbara Havers and Winston Nakata. The mystery of how the detective died will lead the team to have family and relationships, the complex layers of love, ambition, lies and self-deception created by those closest to her, and then to the cases she was investigating for the special task force where she worked. Lindley encounters a world that is far from his experience and a shockingly controversial cultural practice which not everyone involved considers to be a crime yeah okay it's a massive book 620 pages that's a lot of reading you know you could read two or maybe even three books for that so it's got to be good and it is that did it need all those pages I'm not sure um but it was a great read it was immersive um I learned things. I learned things I didn't really w want to learn, but they were memorable. Um, it was well written. You were fully involved in what these characters are going through. Um, yeah, she makes us work hard, does Elizabeth George, but she delivers. Oh, let's do a first sentence. Let's have a look. Ooh, right. Deborah St. James came at Sanctuary Buildings by way of Parliament Square on one of the hottest days of what had so far been a blazingly hot summer. It, so, yes, I'd read the previous book to this, but I had missed a lot in the series before then. Trust me, don't worry about it. Just pick it up and read it, particularly if you like meaty books. I think you'd really enjoy this one. Yes, bravo. Very good. And finally... We have the book Faceless by Vanda Simmon. Um, Vanda is an author, a, a New Zealand author, and she's written um, brilliant series. And this is a standalone. So I was interested about this one. Here we go. Worn down by a job he hates in a stressful family life, middle-aged, middle-class Bradley picks up a teenage escort and commits an unspeakable crime. Now she's tied up in his warehouse and he doesn't know what to do. Max is homeless, eating from rubbish bins, sleeping rough and barely existing, known for catching a cigarette from anyone passing and occasionally even from the footpath. Nobody really sees Max, but he has one friend and she's gone missing. In order to find her, Max is going to have to call on some people from his past and reopen wounds that have remained unhealed for a very long time and the clock is ticking. Uh, I mean... <sighs> 
it's a hard one to read because the content is so uh, tricky, you know. Um, so it, it's stark, it's heavy, it's harsh, but it's strong. And so, you know, other authors might not be able to approach this sort of subject because I don't think they just get it right. But Van der Simmons does. Um, she's got writing that sort of draws you in. Uh, and this book is especially for fans of different perspectives. So you hear things from deep, different people's point of view. It's not not that her, her writing isn't cosy anyway, normally, but it's certainly this one is much further uh, along the sort of the harsh spectrum than her detective series. Uh, and I look forward to reading her next detective one. But it was uh, interesting to read one of her standalone so yeah if that stands out to you and if you think you can cope with the content then um the the writing will deliver for you so that was faceless by vanda simon so i think that's it i think i need to send you on your way i need to go and write myself a letter promising i will never spray so much perfume on myself again what do you need to go and do hopefully something wonderful uh, what books have we covered today let me just lift them up so, of course, we've had Reputation by Sarah Vaughan. And thanks to Sarah for coming on to talk to us about that great book. Then we had Year of Wonder by Clemency Burton Hill. Great book. Then we had Not a Happy Family by Shari LaPena. Great book. Oh, gosh. And then we had Something to Hide by Elizabeth George. What a stonker of a book, but you were rewarded for that. And then we had, lastly, Faceless by Vanda Simon. I've really enjoyed her detective uh, series anyway there we go that's it for today uh i am off to as i say to promise i will never spray so much perfume on myself again look just look after yourselves it's a it's a worrying time and uh just look after yourselves take care and i'll see you very soon take care now bye-bye you've been listening to the quick book reviews podcast that's enough books said no one ever See you again soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.